0: We want to do an Ask Us Anything episode, so start shooting us over some questions. Large or small? Do you ever wonder, do we believe in life after death? Or are you more, what does the one we left behind have for lunch? It's soup and grilled cheese. Every chance I get. We could say, shoot them to our email, get us on Twitter, but really our audience isn't that large. You know how to get a hold of us. Just Please do. Before we jump into the pod, I have one fun fact for you. This is a new microphone. I want it to be as cool as you guys, so I got some new gear. After I bought it, I found out that this is the same type of microphone that Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on. Oh. <laughs> and it, it's not crazy expensive, but it's an industry standard, and it would have been, what, 30 years ago that he recorded Thriller?
1: 40. It's mid-80s, yeah,
2: uh, early
0: to mid-80s. 80s, 82, 83, uh. Quick fact check, it came out 40 years ago in 1982. So anyways, it's, it's not the exact one.
1: But you better hope you sound good on the pod. <laughs> the thing is, I won't sound any different. Bragging about your mic before you've heard the playback is dangerous, man. <laughs> I just like the fun fact. I don't know if it's going to sound better.
0: I probably have to leave this out of the pod. I've probably said it to you before, but this is how, the, when my mom finally went to something at Juniper School and said, George Blake's black? you never told me and i've been talking about him for years (laughs) never knew you never asked whatever
2: oh no i could keep talking because we're just bringing up cool stuff it's like friends under four and friends with your family and friends with your parents Uh, yeah we could go in lots of different directions
0: and we should but back to somebody's got to edit this and it's not you (laughs) yeah it's gonna get too long (laughs) It's January 2022. This is episode 47. Friends over 40. So here's the disclaimer. Yeah, there's some swearing. Maybe it's a little inappropriate at times, but my mom hasn't stopped listening yet, so it can't be that bad. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. I think I could make a
2: friend because I know who I am. I'm not changing very much. I'm not figuring myself
1: out.
0: CEO Leslie Hansen. Without a doubt, I would still have the
1: ability to make a very close friend at this age. I think from my standpoint, I
0: don't know why I would want to. And me, Bruce Krentz the one they left behind. Right, and so I don't feel like I need to have someone to reach out to. Now someday, <laughs> if this all falls apart, if my house of cards crumbles, then I guess I'll be, <laughs> I'll be looking. But for right now, it's pretty good. It's an emergency podcast because I'm COVID positive. Boys, the first, the first one of the group to go down.
1: No, man down, man down. Bruce has the COVID. <laughs>
0: He's got the pitch. Yeah, unless you guys have both had it and are just lying to me, em- embarrassed to say it. No. <laughs> Wednesday morning, about 10.30 in the morning, my ears started to plug up and that's an unusual thing for me. Um, the night before I had actually felt unusually tired and this could be bad for Marnie's COVID journey because I woke up about two in the morning, just freezing. Looking back, obviously I had a a crazy chill. And so I snuggled up to her for about an hour to warm up, which might've been passing on some bad stuff. But yeah, the next day woke up with some plugged up ears. Didn't really feel particularly bad, but asked around at work and they said, yeah, you should go for a test. And then it turns out that it's undoubtedly an outbreak from our hockey team. Oh, no. Yeah. I think there's nine guys right now that all sit in the same part of the dressing room that are all positives right now. And so we've even got a group chat going. And it's funny because I sweated hard about actually going to the game, knowing that it was a bit of a risk. The The big risk, there is no masks in the dressing room. So we're following the rules by playing the games, but we should be masking in the dressing room. Everybody turned a blind eye to that, and it stung us. The real zinger for me is the game before I caught COVID, presumably did. I was the man of the match, which doesn't happen to me very often. And when you're the man of the match, it actually happens almost never. So I was super happy about it. You have to present it the next game. So I didn't want to go, but I had a duty to the team to take the belt and the staff and the crown and pass it on to the next guy. So I kind of felt a little bit of extra pressure to actually show up at the game and, and stick around a little bit after and talk about it. And so luckily so far, nobody's been too sick. It was two or three days of not even a really severe cold. I wouldn't have broke stride for this three years ago. There's no chance. Yeah. But it is what it is, right? So now we're, we're locked down. I mean, all I can say is thank goodness for the vaccine. It could have been way worse. And Thank goodness for that and thank goodness for the booster because really for all of the guys in that room, it's kind of a novelty in some respects. And I don't know if, if you guys feel like this, you haven't had it yet, but it's almost a relief. You hate to lose. <laughs> yeah. We're such competitive guys and part of the reason I've been following the rules, I think, is I want to win this. We're in a battle and I'm, I'm playing all the moves that I've got and I lost. I There was a chink in my armor. I went where I shouldn't have gone to a 20-person unmasked yeah. party. And I lost and I feel embarrassed and just kind of sad that I didn't win this one. I wanted to be someone who made it through. But at the same time, now I can stop worrying about it for six months or seven months in some respects.
1: You broke, Brucey. You got weak. I did. I did. You got fucking weak and you broke and now you have the COVID.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I slipped.
1: I slipped, boys. So first question I have for you is when did player of the game become known as man of the match? (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, it was about two years ago, so it, like, we've been doing this for a long time, but I think that's more of a soccer European thing.
1: Yeah, it is. It comes from uh, yeah. European football. So I'm wondering how the hell that has infiltrated uh, good old-fashioned Canadian hockey in the Great White North.
0: Yeah, I don't know where <laughs> who brought it in, but I, I kind of like the man of the match, and it's morphed for us. I'm sure you guys remember years ago some of the NHL teams started doing this. It was a hard hat that they gave out after the game, right? Cause you were the hardest working guy. And so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so lots of teams have kind of been doing that. We started with a hard hat, but because we're the Kings, we got a crown. And then when we got tired of the crown, we got a staff. And now we have sort of like a wrestling looking belt. So, but yeah, I, I like man of the match. It sounds good. <laughs>
1: lester are you going to be able to beat COVID? well i'm happy to still be in the running to be the last man standing (laughs) like you're officially first man out never mind not last man
0: standing i'm out my money's (laughs) on the table i lost this bet you folded like a house of cards i'm seinfeld on that episode where they all made the bet
2: so did you make it through the night yes i'm proud to say i did Uh, so you're still master your domain yes yes i am (laughs) master of my domain (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. master of their own domain <laughs> master of your own domain
2: there's a naked woman across the street where? second floor from the top see the window on the left what? Yeah, I'm out, I'm out of the contest <laughs> you're out? yeah, yeah Whoa. wow, that was fast well, it was that woman across the street you know, you better be careful, buddy she's gonna get you next <laughs>
1: I'm out. Kramer, (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Bruce, honestly, I'm just glad that you're not sick. Thank goodness for modern medicine and technology and vaccines. I have still not had COVID. Omicron has been all over the place. I know probably 20, 25 people in my immediate circle here in, in Toronto who've had it lately. Everything's locked down, kind of back to the way it was, you know, no Raptor games, no restaurants, gyms are closed, which kind of sucks. But other than that, I mean, it's January. I wasn't planning on going out and doing much anyway. I'm not really letting it affect me. I'm still fighting the good fight, I guess.
2: I've got a pretty good check-in, I must say, and I'm going to go backwards in time (laughs) from today to like a couple of weeks ago. First of all, I went to a, a soccer game today. It was by far Sebastian's best soccer game ever. And I'm only mentioning it because we're just talking about the man of the match in European football, right? So, he just had the most epic soccer game. And as a defenseman, he scored, which is super unusual at this level. Uh, So, it was super, super exciting. A little shout out to my son. And yesterday, Zara got her driver's license at 16. So that's like a huge, huge thing. So I, like I drove her to the one of the registries. you know, I hung out for 45 minutes as they went on their driver's test and she passed. And weirdly, I thought about your sister Bruce. This is one of the other reasons why I'm, I remember you and I were together when Shannon got her license for some reason, and then your mom or your dad. Gave her the car to drive around all day. Do you remember that day? No. <laughs> well, I did that to Zara. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why I remember Shannon Krentz getting her license, but I distinctly remember because she drove, was driving up Thompson and Cree Road like constantly.
1: <laughs> and just doing laps.
2: <laughs> just doing laps. So I just remember her just driving by me and whoever I was with over and over again. And so I did the same thing to, to Zara. I gave her the car she drove around. She went with some friends to Earl's for dinner last night and she got to like pick them up in my car. So that was like <laughs> a really cool experience. And uh, even today, she went for brunch and she took Megan's car. She just drove. Just took off. And wow. it was, uh, oh, and I was like, oh my God, I'm not driving one of my kids around constantly. So that's a, pretty, that's a pretty big thing.
0: It's like your kid's getting out of diapers. It's one of those massive milestones oh. where you just think, all right, this is, this is good news. I was so happy when our kids got their licenses. It's just, it's a whole nother world. Yeah, it's the best. Oh,
2: no kidding. I went to Mexico over Christmas and this was a big, big thing because I almost didn't go. I, I had cancellation insurance. But uh, I think I just timed it perfectly. You know, Omicron was cresting. Everybody was freaking out. And then they dropped the 10 to 5 day quarantine for asymptomatic carriers. So we pulled the trigger and we went and we had a great time.
0: You went all the way to Mexico. Didn't get COVID. I went to the arena two blocks away. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, no just, there's no justice in this world. <laughs> I just
2: think my immune system yeah. is, you know, I, if you think about it, I've been in the healthcare system. And you know, like I rarely get sick, if ever. It's like when you first have a kid and you hang around with parents that have kids, everybody gets sick all the time, all the time. And then all of a sudden it just goes away for a very long time. And uh, I want to believe that I'll never get COVID, but I'm a little bit like you. Maybe it, it will be good if I do. Like, And that's just kind of one last thing you got to go through.
1: It just goes to show you, Bruce, that you're weak. I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> George is strong and you are weak.
2: Yeah. You got to put on some white, Bruce. You're too skinny.
1: I told you that that there's no <laughs> eating meat thing was bullshit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get some nutrition in your body. I
0: thought it was healthier. I got to beef up. One more reason George is better than me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bruce, there's something else that I should point out
1: today. As of about an hour ago, the Canadian parliament just passed a new bill. It is now officially illegal to intimidate doctors, nurses, or patients. So... I don't know how that's going to affect the pod moving forward, but (laughs) apparently we're no longer allowed to harass or intimidate Jorge in any way. Yeah. We may have to pull producer Mike in on this to get like an official ruling, but uh, apparently he needed a little extra protection. So, you know, the government has has stepped in and and
0: protected him. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is the last episode of the Snow (laughs) Day (laughs) Podcast. If from now on you can rip us and we can't rip you, George, then forget it. (laughs) There's no point. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) You have an invisibility cloak. Forget it. Fuck it.
2: Well, we should put a timestamp. It is a New Year's pod. It is January 2022. We should probably throw that in there.
0: I think we all made the same resolution. I'm going to say that you guys bullied me into it. I had no intention of doing this whatsoever, and so I'm not too happy with both of you because (laughs) (laughs) I woke up New Year's Day, and Marnie and I are sitting there on the couch, and we were texting each other, and I think, George, you were the first to say, hey, I'm going to do a dry January, which... I think yours is epic because there's no way I would start a dry January at a Mexican resort <laughs> with free booze and sitting around on the beach all day. I mean, I'm, you are stronger than me. You are a, you are a <laughs> superman. And then Les, you chimed in. And when I mentioned it to Marnie, she's like, hey, you know, I've kind of been thinking about this too. Why don't we just try it? And I thought I needed a little more lead time than zero
1: you need time to psych yourself up for dry january
0: i needed to put some plans in place so so far so good for us been a little bit of a harder slug than i expected and i have sort of invoked a a little loophole so we're actually doing dry february so i'm only going 28 days i'm doing it in january but it's dry february (laughs) get, get out of jail a couple days free
1: Dry January with February uh-huh. rules.
0: <laughs> I said to Marty, okay, if we're doing this, this is the deal. That, that last weekend just bombs away. So.
1: Okay, wait, but does that mean that I get to pick any 28 days out of January? I- So I can drink three times in January because my dry January is out the window already. I have failed dramatically, (laughs) but only twice. Uh, So I have one day to spare Then I can still do 28 days of no drinking in January.
0: Yeah. Maybe if you leg it out till the 31st, I did try to trade one Saturday this weekend. We were were out at the lake and it's just such a part of our routine. I was like, hey, let's trade this Saturday for the end of the month. And Marnie was like, (laughs) no. (laughs) <laughs> these aren't Les's rules; these are my rules.
2: <laughs> That'd be Marn. Yeah, good work. Keep this fucking ship exactly tight. Exactly,
0: good work by her, Georgie. You're still good. I'm in in some respects probably your work is helping you more than me hanging out at the lake.
2: Well, I guess I have I have to admit something. I actually only started January second because obviously <laughs> I was drinking New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, right? Yeah. So I was drinking officially into the midnight hours. So uh, I started the second. And this is only my second ever dry January. I'll make a a flashback to us (laughs) doing a pod last year where I got so fucking hammered on February 1st. (laughs) And then I was like babbling so drunk. It just makes me remember how ridiculous I sounded. Uh,
1: Was that time when you were so drunk? Was that February 1st because you were coming off a dry January?
2: Yes, it was last year.
1: So you celebrated by putting all those units of alcohol back into your system in one binge drinking episode.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Like during the pod at uh, David Maddy's house, she was actually bringing me drinks and I was like pounding drinks. And then I I made that ridiculous attempt to explain some medical thing. And then I just gave up halfway through it because even in my drunken stupor, it sounded ridiculously dumb. I'm going to stop because I realize I've drunk too much. And this isn't making sense to my own fucking brain. So that will probably happen again. Uh, so I am, I am, I'm doing well uh, thus far, although COVID is taxing me because I do want to come home and drink sometimes because it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, I was uh, sitting with a friend not that long ago and I said, oh, I'm going you know, I'm doing dry January. And he looked at me and goes, Fucking that's stupid. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> and I go, and I well, Ryan, I'm I'm doing it because, you know, I you know I feel like you drink enough and I like to have control over things. And he put it in a very interesting way. He goes, Well, you know, when did you start drinking like legitimately? I'm I don't know, probably 17, 18, like when I would say I'd be drinking fairly regularly. He goes, Dude, that's a 12th of your adult life. Why would you want to give up a 12th of your life? And I'm like, oh, well, that's, a, that's an interesting fraction. He was disgusted that I would give up joy for a 12th of my adult life. <laughs> and I went, okay, well, that's not the way I look at it. But anyway, so uh, he said that. So I thought that was kind of funny. So far, so good. Dry January. Dry January. Uh, and I will be going uh, and getting hammered February 1st. <laughs>
0: <laughs> first, schedule okay. a pod. Yeah, I'll schedule a pod for the, for the February the 1st. We might have to do a couple since I'll be 28th, 29th, and he'll be <laughs> the
1: first. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a series. We should maybe do a pod on drinking while George gets drunk uh, on February 1st <laughs> and do a whole <laughs> pod just about uh, the culture of alcohol in our lives and uh, how it's, changed or not changed over the years. I like it. That would be
0: pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pencil it in. Pencil it in. An hour full of lies for all of us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talk to producer Mike. See if
0: he thinks that's palatable. Uh, anything else on the check-in, George? You want to talk about what's going on at your work a bit? Yeah. I mean, like everywhere else,
2: Omicron's really rising and um, everybody is so stressed all the time that sometimes when you're all swimming upriver, you feel the same, but for the first time probably because I had a two-week break. I had Christmas and New Year's off for the first time in five years. I have always worked either or for most of my career and to have both off and then to chuck in a nice Mexican holiday in there and it'd be safe and come back and test negative. I obviously was much more refreshed and focused, so I showed up to work and I immediately noticed how stressed people were, Uh, People were taking clearly leaves of absence. I hadn't seen people in so long and they would say, oh, I've been off for like six weeks or I've been off for four weeks. People are gone. It's odd that it's two years in and I notice for the first time how stressed my fellow frontline staff are. I think I handle it in a different way. But they were definitely stressed. A little shout out to my crew who was definitely stressed.
0: Do you think a little bit of it, and I'm seeing that at, at our work too, right? In our healthcare, people are really struggling. Is it any part of that that the world isn't recognizing you as much anymore? Like, I, I got to be honest, I kind of thought at the very start of all this when we were banging pots and pans for you because you were the hero of the world, and uh, you know people were dropping off cookies and stuff. That felt a little over the top to me. But now we're still going to the mat like you've got the hammer down all day every day but the rest of the world is kind of a little bit normal again and people aren't recognizing it as much anymore right now that's just your job to work that hard all the time and do you think a little part of it is that or is it just fatigue like we've just been going too long and we're just sick of it
2: mostly the latter i think people just are tired and constantly being asked to do more and more, or at least the same, the same over and over again. So it's definitely mostly fatigue. Uh, I will tell you that in the last wave, there was equally the same amount of outpouring. I mean, the last wave, people were just, I mean, people were dropping off turkey dinners for everybody that worked uh, Thanksgiving. People were dropping off $200 Tim Horton coffee cards so that, you know, people, staff, like, I'm not joking. There were thousands of gift cards being left so people could every shift for an entire week could get a coffee. People were being ridiculously generous. So I actually don't think at least uh, many people did not forget how hard people were working. But yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of truth with kids back to school, things at 50% capacity, 80 plus percent of most Western countries outside I guess the states being vaccinated like I think people are starting to want to move on and when you move on you stop thinking about what you went through so I think there is some truth to that
1: I think that's an important thing to to point out Jorge that society is burnt out on COVID in Ontario the big thing here has been whether schools were going to open or not parents are exhausted on it teachers are exhausted and I think when that happens You lose your ability to empathize with others, where we all had energy to be empathetic towards healthcare workers and essential workers and frontline workers. Everybody has a little less energy or so many people have a little less energy to be empathetic that it's getting forgotten. And it's mm-hmm. become normalized, and that's not just you, but every every hospital and all these essential services, people are going to get wiped out again. You know, we've said this before on the pod, but uh, we should say it more often, George, appreciate what you do. Your crew and everyone that works with you, and Bruce, same with you, public health. This has affected you guys, your lives, so much more than mine. It's humbling sometimes to, to think about. I complained that my gym is closed.
0: I just complained that the arena stayed open. See, that's my different view. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) It's like, close everything. (laughs) Keep fighting the good fight, Georgie. Yeah, for sure, Georgie.
2: That's a very good point is everybody's reserve is less, Mm -hmm. not just frontline workers. And that's what I'm actually seeing is people are being fellow frontline workers are being short towards each other. Mm and less sympathetic. So, that's a new thing. Before it is, we're all in it together. We're all tired. But this particular wave, I am seeing behavior that I've not witnessed before. And you can imagine what that would translate in their personal lives when they go home. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they're just bouncing back between lots of the nurses or parents whose kids are not in school. And then they go do their shift in the ICU. So, that, that is a good point that everybody is, is a bit more thin in their patients. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. Hopefully the next time we chat, this isn't as big a part of our conversation to, to try to put a, a lighter little bit of a wrap on it as the two things overlap, COVID and our drinking, of uh, taking the month off. So as, our, as the results started to come in for our hockey team, right, it was everybody that was sitting in the same place. A group chat evolved called King's Omicron. And uh, so it's, it's Thursday afternoon, and then it's Friday afternoon, and, and guys are starting to chat, and everybody's stuck at home. So what do they do? They start drinking, <laughs> and they're chatting back and forth. And I'm like, of all the months that I decide to do dry month, I get COVID, and I can't even be part of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not the doctor on this call, but I'm going to advise while your body is trying to fight off a significant virus, you probably should moderate your alcohol intake to as close to zero as possible anyway, Bruce. Sure. It's the only time I'm ever going to tell you not to drink if you're not driving.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it was the best for me and it's actually funny because you're right that the guys that were most vocal in that, the next couple days were the ones with worse symptoms than everybody else. Yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> Do yourself chance. <laughs> that's just science. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid science. Stupid science.
2: Stupid science.
0: So, George, you brought this one. I'm going to let you introduce it. What was going through your head when you pitched this one to me and Lester?
2: I listened to the Marriage Pod like I do every pod, uh, at least twice. And, you know, a lot of the advice, especially that lesson and I were giving, going through it a second time, was how much we change. And so this was sort of a natural segue to that is, well, have I changed enough that my, the types of friends I have have changed? So that's kind of where it came from. It was uh, just the same theme. Uh, And then I just started thinking about the people that I most hang out with now. And I wanted to ask myself and you guys, what I've hung out with these guys when I was 20 or 30. Because I really like them, obviously. I'm hanging out with them. But I realized how similar we were, in my case, guys that have had kids older in their life. I mean, I have friends that have kids that are younger, but then they're like 10 years younger than me. So their kids are actually the same age or will be the same age. So that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Have you thought about the people you hang out with are different and have you chosen different friends with being older? And then it's going to be completely different because, Bruce, you're still in our hometown. Les and I have both moved away into bigger cities so we have a bigger exposure. So that's that's how that came up.
0: I feel like Les is going to throw this one out, so I want to beat him to it. Go ahead, Interestingly Mm -hmm. to me, you both have found new best friends, and I'm kind of curious how that came about. You've met your future wives, who presumably are your new best friends. (laughs) So you have obviously made some really good friends later on in your life or quite a big connection. Whereas, What I thought you were getting at on this pod, George, was do you make as good of friends later on in your life, as you did yes. in high school and university, when probably your time spent with them. And th- it was just a different kind of a thing. So that's where I was going with that. And, and then when I thought about the two of you, I thought, well, obviously, you're still making those connections, <laughs> because you found some pretty special <laughs> people. Uh, but maybe those were just the only ones. When George first tossed
1: this out, the first sort of angle I took from it was, if we all wrote down your 20 closest friends make it 20, force yourself to decide, like think it through, who are my 20 closest friends? What's the average length of time you've been friends with those people? For me, it would be, I haven't done that exercise, but if we did, it would be over 20 years. It would be, we've been friends for 40 years, right? So that kind of weights it down. But I don't know if I would have a single person on that list who I've known for less than 20 years. I don't know if that means... That I'm not making close friends later on, or if just the close, like the really close friends that I've made through my life, I've kept all this time. Because I used to also say, when we would talk about things like this, I used to always say, yeah, all my closest friends are my childhood buddies from before I moved to Toronto. But now I've been in Toronto 25 years. So I do have some very close friends who I've met in Toronto, but even those guys I've known 20 years, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because I met them like fairly early on. And I don't know. I don't know what the process is. I don't know if at some point I filled up on good friends, there's like, cause sometimes I mean, and Alex will point this out to me, right? She's quite a bit younger than me and she'll always be like, oh, let's go to this, it'll be fun, you'll meet new people. And I can very easily be the grumpy old man and just say, I don't need to meet new people. <laughs> I do not need to make more friends. Like I'm fine, totally fine, with the friend group I have. And she'll be like, oh, come on, quit being a grumpy old man. And then I'll go out and you know meet some people, and have some fun, it's always a good time. I don't know what sort of the path was that landed me at, at this spot, because I, I still meet lots of new people. Like obviously, you know, you, you said to George and I, we each have a new best friend because we have new partners. George is probably the same for you. I've met a lot of really great people through Alex, who mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have otherwise, because like I said, I'm full up on friends. I don't need to become close with more people. But then, you know, I meet Alex, Start dating. I start meeting the people who are significant in her life, and then they become significant in your life. And some of them have become quite good friends of mine. And so that's been a source of meeting new people. It's an interesting question. I don't know if you were asking if we look for different characteristics in friends that we meet now or not. I've never really considered that angle of it.
2: So you hit on exactly th- at least three things that I want to talk about.
0: Okay, so that's the end of the pod. Thanks, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, because this I purposely didn't put this in the notes because I wanted you to think it through like I did. Let me go through the points that I'm glad you brought up, and I'm sure other things will come up. First of all, it's good to acknowledge you never make the friends you do as a childhood because you don't have these endless hours of spending time together. The reason why we ha- are still friends, the reason why we can all say we have childhood friends, which I don't know how unusual it is that we're from a small town. Um, it's because, well, we, maybe it was our age, pre-internet, small town, no mobile phones, we all played sports, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I have spent so much time with the people I still consider childhood friends. I simply don't have that time later on in my life, because my most precious commodity is time. And I'm very, very particular of how I give that away. So that's one point. And I I want the listener to think about, you know, if they still have childhood friends and and, and if not, why not? Number two, that whole friendful thing. I'm like you, Les. I don't really need to meet new people. I
0: I might not go all the way to old man grumpy. But that's old man. I don't
2: really need to meet new people. I have enough friends. I don't have enough time. But what I've noticed, and this is kind of the sad part about me now meeting some other new friends that are becoming closer and closer. I've actually had to knock out old friends where I just don't have enough time to hang out with them or they're not reciprocating their time with me. And I realized, well, then it's not worth it as a friend anymore. So I've got this group of friends that I'm becoming more, that I, I kind of got into their group somehow. And now I feel like I'm part of their group. And now I'm a regular member of that group.
0: Did this guy just say the same thing three times in a row?
2: That I, I kind of got into their group somehow. And now I feel like I'm part of their group. And now I'm a regular member of that group. And I realized now I'm not spending time with these other people like from med school that I used to that live in Calgary anymore. Like I've I've knocked it off. So, the friend full is a very interesting concept. And then the third thing you said, which is exactly correct. I actually do look for characteristics. When I'm deciding at friends over 40 who I hang out with, there are some very clear characteristics of do's and don'ts that – there are now very easy do not pass goes or what's the expression a deal breaker Mm. like there are deal breakers i think when you're young there's almost no deal breaker because you're all growing up together you think about the mishmash of friends we had in juniper school especially where we're just all over the place but as you get older i think you're a lot more selective in who you want to hang out with and people have to kind of have their shit together for the lack of a better word Or at the very least, share a lot of the same core values you have or in the same life circumstance. Otherwise, we've got nothing in common other than (laughs) booze and getting hammered together. (laughs) I'm glad those three things came up. So as I rambled on, Bruce, are any of those things resonating with you?
0: The last one is an interesting one to me because I honestly don't go out looking for people's characteristics or maybe not i haven't thought it through like that at all yeah maybe my life's different just the way i am i've always been such a busy person and i that's what keeps me ticking right is more activities so i d- like to go and hang out with people it's a little bit like what you said less like let's just go out and hang out and meet some new people that doesn't appeal to me i always have fun it's exactly like you do when i actually go and do it it's great i'm happiest when my calendar is full of some things to do, except when COVID came along and I realized I just like to be in my basement in code orange all the time. (laughs) But but before and after that, I like playing hockey. I like going to band. I like that. And so I meet some people there that like doing those same activities as I do. And so I would consider those guys my friends. But that's a kind of a different friendship than what you were talking about in university, right, George, where you just say, hey, I got nothing going on for three days. Let's just hang out. That almost never happens to me anymore. So I feel like I do have lots of new friends. But it's a different kind of friendship, and I would. After you pitch this topic, I really was having trouble getting my head around what's our definition of friend, and that's probably too existential and tricky to to get into. But I feel like I have lots of new people that I've met in the last ten years who I've spent a good amount of time with. But when I'm down and out and I need two hundred bucks, I'm not sure how many of those people are going to take my call and wire me the money without you know, a pretty good explanation or when I need two grand, I don't know, whatever. Right. So that one kind of resonated with me a little bit. It's just, um, there are lots of people I've spent a lot of time with, but it's a a totally different kind of friendship. So I don't know.
1: Not that we want to get into a big existential conversation about it, but I think it's important to define like the difference between like a friend, like a really close friend and just a buddy. Like somebody who you're happy to get a beer with, happy to hang out with, maybe you know them through hockey or something, but you're not tight with, you're not close. You're not going to, you and Marnie are having an argument about something and you're going to call and say, dude, I need to talk to somebody. Like a friend. We probably all have lots of buddies, but we all have lots of mm-hmm. friends too. We're friendly mm-hmm. guys. There's a distinction. And I think at some point you stop, if, unless you maybe have need for those deep friendships, at some point you fill up on that. Right. And you get to the point where when I need to talk to somebody, I got lots of people I can call. Mm. I don't need to search out someone new. Maybe we're fortunate to be in that situation. I mean, you guys know this. You're on my list of, of guys who I call when I need to talk about something. So there's definitely a difference. Yeah. It, that's, that's germane to this conversation.
0: You're right. And you probably don't go looking for those friend friends because you've got a good number. You don't, you don't need 20 of those. You need five of them. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you've got five that are working right now, you hate to say why bother, but I don't want to, I don't want to tell somebody new (laughs) my whole backstory and I don't want to have to get you caught up. We're, we're up to speed. Especially because you figure at this point, it's like,
1: how long would it take to develop the level of friendship that I have with my close friends who have known for 20, 30 years? I don't know. Is it possible? Maybe you, you form a different type of friendship. I don't know. Yeah. I want to pick up a little bit of what Bruce said,
2: because it actually comes back to the last pod. It really struck me when we were talking about taking the last names and Marnie said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Marnie wanted to have my name because we wanted to be Team Krentz, that you were a core group. You were the team. And Bruce, I think you more than anyone else, your structure is so, your inner core, your kernel is so, so strong that it makes perfect sense that all of your friends are activity buddies like that's the characteristic you're looking for. I want somebody that can back me up on my drums or that can sing with Marnie. I want somebody that can play hockey with me because your family is so strong and your lifelong friends are so strong. You actually don't need to layer different types of or actually you do need to layer different types of friends. Friends over 40 for you are completely different. Their activities cuz you're a busy guy, you like to be busy. I don't think you will ever make a deep friend pre-40 than post-40. That's one of the reasons <laughs> I wanted to bring this up is, will I ever have that same friendship with somebody like I did as a kid? And I don't think that's sad or bad. It's just an interesting thing that I'm reflecting on.
0: I appreciate that if that was a compliment. Yes, it was. I did think of some of that because I sometimes do feel like I'm a little bit different than a lot of people that I haven't had a, a best friend, best friend. So this is an interesting thing. And and I mean Marnie and I, in some respects, got together when we were pretty young and we're best friends. And and it's kind of like what you said. Yeah. Our family's really tight. And so I don't feel like I need to have someone to reach out to. Now, someday, <laughs> if this all falls apart, if my house of cards crumbles, then I guess I'll be <laughs> I'll be looking. But for right now, it's pretty good. The next step to what you said, George, I'm curious though, is we still have lots of runway in front of us. And so yeah, we're we're talking about it's been forty years of these friends. But if a bunch of crazy stuff happened in your life right now and you had to go into witness protection, start a new life. If you started to spend a whole bunch of time with somebody because you didn't have your family or you didn't have Megan in 20 years, could you still make that strong of a friendship as you did in a a younger 20? If like, you know, you weren't running the ICU every second week, if you had time to put into that or are, are our brains just wired so that it's just never the same.
2: That's not exactly what I was thinking, but that is also a good question. It makes me think of what Les said in the last pod where he was working on himself so much during our first marriages that he was trying to figure himself out. He had so much to do, whereas now for both of us, I think I can safely speak, is we both know who we are. We're content with who we are. We know that we can get married. We're secure in the runway in front of us like i think we can kind of look a little bit more into the future than in the past where we thought we could but never really had the insight so that i think i could make a friend because i know who i am i'm not changing very much i'm not figuring myself out at all so i think i could make that a friendship what i would add to that is I think I'd be very prepared to have a much wider range of friendship. I'm now hanging out with people that are as low as 40 all the way to 60. And I can't imagine 20 years ago when I was 30, having like teenage friends up to eight to 50. Like it's very <laughs> interesting as you get older, how happy I am different in ages my friends are. And that's just because... Some of my friends' friends are that age, so they come in. That's another interesting phenomenon on I like having older dude friends now. Like, I like having that old guy, like a full 10, 15 years older than me, and I would have never, ever considered that when I was younger. Can you imagine at 30 years old wanting to hang out with, like, us, our age? (laughs) Fuck that. We're too old. We're fucking 50 years old. You're not hanging out with a 50-year-old at 30?
0: Maybe it's a small town thing, but when I was 30, I did have friends who were 45 and 50. And that kind of grew about through work. Some of those guys were not a generation older, but quite a few years older than than I was. And I was friends with them when I was younger. That's led to an interesting situation. I feel like I've brought this up on the pod before, but do you have any friends, two generation friends? And so I have a friend who's a legitimate friend, and I'm also legitimately friends with his kids because I'm in the middle of them. Not best friends, but good buddies. Like what Les talked about, we would drink beer, or hang out, or do some kind of activities. And I mean our again, I hate to keep going back to it, but our hockey team is a bit of an example of that. Like we have twenty, thirty, forty-year-olds there, and we spend enough time together and do activities outside of just going and playing hockey that I would feel like I'm friends with that group. So we do actually have a pretty wide range of huh. of ages of friends, and have had for one of my big places where we meet. We meet friends is new teachers, and so. Kind of our music group, but sort of the phys ed, science group, all hang around together, and they're really good about bringing new teachers into the fold, people that move to town, and just including them in social gatherings. And so I feel like I sort of have a pipeline on young people, and so we do have quite a few friends who are considerably younger than we are, but but none none of them have turned into best best friends. Although we've got to be pretty close with some of them. it
1: Definitely, Bruce. There's a difference with the small town aspect of it. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that your friends are teachers. I remember growing up in a house where my parents would have dinner parties. They'd have people over and everyone was a teacher. Everybody. And they were (laughs) young, old, whatever. And often they were the new teachers in town. In fact, my dad was reminding me of a story over the holidays that... It was him driving somewhere and the start of the story was he had driven to the airport to pick up a new teacher that was arriving in Thompson. So he was picking her up at the airport and like driving her. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that's just like a different world, man. But our house was always full of, you know, a new teacher would arrive. So you'd have a party, you'd invite everyone over and you make sure that they met people. That's a small town thing for sure.
0: So one of the yeah. people that my dad took in for a couple of days at the start of her moved to Thompson was Pauline McDonald, Harold Smith's wife. So she lived with my parents for a few days and they got to be very good friends. And so Harold and Pauline and my parents were good friends. Even met down south a few times, like they sort of did little yeah. weekends together and all that kind of stuff. And now Harold and Pauline and Marnie and I are really good friends. So Pauline did the little, the intergenerational loop yeah. thing, right? Which is which is really kind of cool.
1: I would go on record and say, Without a doubt, I would still have the ability to make a very close friend at this age. I think, from my standpoint, it's just I don't know why I would would want to. So it would it would have to be born out of some sort of event or or reason to become really close with another person. I remember what Gerald used to say when he went away to university in the States. He went down to Georgia. He'd meet guys down there and he would always say the same thing. He's like, oh yeah, no, good guy. Like they're good guys, but it's different. I don't have any history with these guys. Mm. So it's a different type of friendship. And we were young, we were young, but I always thought that that way of describing it was interesting. I guess the question that I would have for you, George, because you've moved around a lot, you know, Thompson, then Winnipeg, then out in Ontario, then you went to Australia, then you came back, you've been in Alberta. So you've relocated a number of times. So you've picked up friends like along the way in all these different places. What do you think it was like when you're in different places? Where do you think the source of most of your friends have come from? I'd have to say work. Yeah, I was going to say it's the same thing for me. Once you get to a certain age, I, I have a, a kind of theory as I was thinking about this, the opportunity to become close with someone presents itself when you go through some level of struggle together, when you have an adventure together. Us as young children, like boys growing up together, every day was an adventure. We were growing, learning, f- messing up, being afraid, helping each other cover up this, that, like all the shit that you do as a little kid. Like those were all the biggest adventures of our lives that we shared together. You get older, the adventures are different. Mm. When you've worked with somebody Mm. the George, I mean, in the hospital situation, thousands of examples, I can tell you like the, the people that I've worked with, where we've gone through a experience at work, where it was like, you feel like I went to war with this person. We went to battle together and we got through something and it kind of bonds you. That's what... Opens, I think the gateway to become close to somebody and then become friends from that, because I think all of my friends, other than, you know, young part of our lives, friends either come from work or sports. You know, you're on a sports team and you like, you know, Bruce, you know, when you were more competitive, you know, now you're yeah. playing probably just for fun every week. But when you're competitive and you're like banging every week and you feel like you're going to battle together, you become bonded with those people. So that's my theory.
0: My jobs must be too soft. I have almost no <laughs> friends from work. <laughs> well, that's no. actually in my notes. Yeah. And even buddies, it's it's kind of strange. And I don't know why that is. Like, I mean, it's not that I'm not friendly with people, but I, I don't even socialize I haven't socialized with people from work for 15 years yeah Yeah. (laughs) or more I probably have one or two examples from really early in my working career where I sort of ended up with friends as people and it was sort of things like that especially in rec because you're doing events right which is a little bit like yeah you go to war you prep and you spend a whole bunch of time together at those big events you kind of get to know them but since I've been doing a little bit less of that like a I got none, so it's kind of interesting you say that.
2: (laughs) Lester, yeah, I'm glad that you also brought that up. That was one of the other things, the themes that I wanted to bring up, (laughs) was exactly what Gerald, and Gerald is a very good example among our friends group, where history, struggle, or acts of love mean a lot to that guy, and they mean a lot to me. Like, it's the demonstration of you are willing to do something for somebody else at whatever period of time that is. And obviously when you're younger, that act may not be the same or as significant as when you're older and you help your girlfriend's mom go through cancer treatment. Right. And then you show this and you know, like obviously the acts are different and Gerald's a very good example of how I became friends with him, barely knowing the guy it's because I didn't act for him where Les asked me a favor to do to Gerald so that he could go to Georgia and have a certain amount of money in his bank account. So he could become a chiropractor and then came back. I met the guy for 15 minutes. He he went to Atlanta for years. He came back to Winnipeg and he he sought me out. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to be friends with George because he did this solid VLS to me. And I, I always remember that's like my fondest story of Gerald is he like literally found my number somehow and he called me up He said, hey, it's, it's Gerald. I'm back in Winnipeg. We should hang out. I'm all, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're like a really good friend with Les. And uh, and then years later, he said, George, I never, ever forgot what you did for me. And I never will. And so that that's another theme that I wanted to talk about is sometimes you have to to quote Les, struggle, or you have to do something so significant with a person that it bonds you and then it keeps that elastic, that yo-yoing back and forth over the good times, over the bad times. And that that's kind of how the friendship matures. So yeah, Les, you and I are capable of obviously making very good friends now that we're north of 50, but... I think what you, we'd have to struggle with those people. We'd have to have some shared experience or you'd have yep. to do something so solid for that person that they would go, I'm going to be friends with Les Hansen. This guy is somebody I need to be friends with. And I'm not sure if we're capable outside of just yep. being a human being and like having emotion and empathy and being nice to somebody, uh, you know? And, and I'm thinking that the people that I've become more friends with, I'm realizing I've helped them in some way. And then they realize my worth, for the lack of a better word, of a friendship. And then we become tighter because there was an act associated. They perceived what I did, the help I gave them, as virtuous enough to become friends with. And I mean, I've obviously benefited because I like those people. And it's different because when you're young, you can just hang out Just hang out. Just simply hang out. As you get older, yeah, acts of affection. Um, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm losing the words. It's like I feel you need to do something as you get older and older.
0: It's funny, George, you brought it up. It was a I wish I would have said from the marriage podcast. When you and Les said that you had to figure yourselves out first before you could be good partners to your next wives and how you're, you're saying now you can move on and get a good friend because you've got yourself figured out. I needed Marnie to help me get figured out and she made me better. So I didn't, I didn't have to get myself straightened out. And that's just the w- way relationships work. Everybody's journey is different. Yeah. But I look back on lots of things that she sort of pointed me in the right direction or we grew together, call it what you will. Um, but she certainly made me better instead of me having to get organized before I met her. And maybe, George, if you're making new friends as you go along, I know you feel like you have yourself organized, but maybe that's how a best friend is going to be is that, uh, that you have to help each other to make each other better. So a little deep, but it was a, one of the ones I wished I had got out on the last pod from listening back to it. Neighbors is sort of one of our good friendships that has happened and again I've it this one's probably somewhere between buddies and and best friends those are some people we met later on in our lives and we're super close to them partly just because we're beside each other for six months of the year or more our kids are the same age and we've gone through lots of our stages of life together we joke around there are summer friends mm-hmm. like we don't see them in winter just in summer <laughs> but we're super tight in summer It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have a wider range of ages because I have less people to hang out with. Less, you're in Toronto. There's a hundred thousand people your age, or I don't know whatever. (laughs) Pick a a huge number. Whereas there's only a few for me and Thompson. And we do once in a while talk about worrying that our pool is going to dwindle. The nature of Thompson is you move to someplace warmer. You moved to some place where your kids went. Yep. And our pool is shrinking. And so once in a while, we do talk about thinking, you know what, we kind of need new friends. But with that said, I don't feel like I'm ever short on people to hang out with their friends right now. So in the long term, I'm worried about my pool shrinking and, and what we're going to do. But right now, I'm not too bad. Do you guys worry about that at all?
1: No, unless they just start dying off. <laughs> <laughs> because I think like one, one of the realities in my life is my closest friends are spread out all over the place a handful of them are here in toronto but a lot of them are all over the place so the friendships are less based on proximity so as our lives change and we move and whatnot um, i think it'll have less impact on me over time
0: maybe i met buddies a little bit maybe zoom and facetime have helped that and communication now but i guess we can see ourselves at some point in our future sitting down for supper at Thursday night and saying, what are we going to do this weekend and having nobody to hang out with and nothing to do? In the worst dystopian future, that could be our reality. You know, knowing that we could still phone you guys, but it's a little bit different than that hanging out time. Do you ever think about that or worry about that aspect of it?
1: I don't think so. Maybe I should be, (laughs) but I haven't, I'll put that on my list of things to start worrying about in 2022.
0: (laughs) To to be concerned about. I haven't worried about it yet.
2: (laughs) I hadn't considered that. This pandemic has taught us lots of things. For sure, one of the things that particularly resonates with me, and I think, you know, Steve has said this as well, is people need to be near other people. So I know, Bruce, you joke about that you're a 2.0 or 1.5 kind of COVID guy that you like the isolation. <laughs> but if you just think about all the things that you've said on the pod, how much you actually interact with people at work, during sports, bad like you, you are a very social guy. They may not be your best buddies, but it, you're so activity-based that you have to have other people. And I'm the same way. I don't mind being by myself for stretches, but at the end of the day, I get lit up with other people. My energy level, that's where it is. So as you get older and your chances to hang out with people become less and less, yeah, that's, that's a real concern. That might actually prompt Les and I to go look for proximity friends, people that are nearby. We came from a small town. I had 10 friends on my street. You had friends on your street. That's not the case with my kids. It so happens that Sebastian does have a couple of close friends, walking distance, like a couple hundred meters. But I think that's a fluke. The second thing is, Les and I are completely different from you in terms of intergenerational. There is no way I'm friends with my daughter's <laughs> friends or <laughs> like that would just be gross and weird. <laughs> I think, again, that is a very small town that your intergenerational friend. I, don't, I can't think of anybody I know that has that profile like you do. So they're, they're, you're unique.
0: We have lots of friends in their 20s and 30s. And I do think about that sometimes. I think these are way closer to Paige's age yeah. than my age or to Paige and Murphy, right? But we still, we're buddies or, or we hang around with them.
1: That yeah, is cool. I like it. Of the three of us, I think I'm the one who has the lowest requirement for being around other people and being sociable. I learned this much later in life, but I'm incredibly happy in my personal downtime to be alone much more so than I think I realized when, when I was younger. So maybe that plays into it as well, Bruce, when you think of the different paths that we've had, the relationship between friends and family, I left home when I was 14 and I realized actually I had my parents here for the holidays And they, you know, because the pandemic kind of kicked up and weren't wild about them traveling, had them stay a little extra long here before they flew home. So they were here for two full weeks, 14 days. And I realized that it was the first time that I'd been under the same roof as my parents for that period of time since I left home when I was 14. So, like, my whole life, and, and you guys know this, I, you know, I had a brother. He's been passed away for a long time. So my family component is very, very small. And I think one of the reasons that I've held on to really tight friendships, like my entire life is because I didn't have a big family. So my really close ride or die friends probably took the role of my family for most of my, of my life growing up. And that's maybe a little bit of an atypical situation to be in. And then, you know, when you were saying Bruce your friend group dwindling like as you get older and whatnot like that's all very normal I think I probably thought about that more or would have thought about that more like five six seven years ago when I was single
0: Mm.
1: because then you start realizing especially me with a very small family I'm like okay well you know you guys you know you have kids and families and whatnot and it's like oh hmm okay well Uh, If you don't have a family, if you don't create a family of your own and your your growing up family is small, then at some point that dwindles. So that's been one of the added benefits of finding a life partner again at this age kind of replaces that, right? And I've made a lot of friends through Alex. Her family's awesome. Like I love her parents. They're great. We spend quite a bit of time with them. It's almost like I feel that part of my friend group or my social group is actually going on the uptick now, strangely at age fifty, as opposed to on the downtick because I should have been married for thirty years or twenty (laughs) five years already, like you are, right? (laughs) I'm at the upslope on that curve.
0: We talked about it a bit in the marriage pod. I inherited a huge family with you know my brothers and sisters. We're not a particularly big family. We don't have lots cousins whereas her family's considerably bigger and so we did inherit some friends again maybe not best best friends but people we've known for however many years now and and it's yeah it's instantly built in
2: yeah lester i think you brought up a a good point that for many people including you friends can supplant family
1: yeah well they did for me for sure For sure. When I look back on it now, without realizing it at the time, you're just kind of going through shit when you're younger. But when I look back on it now, like I know why that's, you know, why the ties that I have with some of my close friends from my like teens, 20s is they were taking the place of family, really.
2: Les may not be able to comment except through Alex, but I'd be interested, Bruce, if you've seen your kids go through the friendships that you created at the same age and you see them making a mistake like you did or handling it better. I've got a very good example of Sebastian very recently making such a tragic blunder. It's so funny. Like we laugh about it now because it happened a couple of weeks ago, but it is very cool, especially with the friends that we had, where we the only way we could get connected is if we phoned each other, and you know, I still remember both of your phone numbers
1: 86935 <laughs> Yeah.
0: Five, five five one seven yeah, two exactly
1: 9346 <laughs>
0: 9465 the de Groot house, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's that's the point is that we,
1: yeah,
2: question have you seen Murph or Paige blunder or handle a situation better than you did as their friendships grow? Do you have an example,
0: yeah. I don't have too many great examples of that. I mean, the hardest thing with kids and their friends is you, you look at some of them and you just think, why do you spend so much time with those people? Why don't you spend more time with these people? Because it feels like you're more compatible, but you just can't. You can't tell people what to do with their friendships and who to be friends with and who to be stressed out about. I don't think you were going to listen to your parents much if they said those DeGroote boys, you shouldn't be hanging around with them. They're nothing but trouble. And
2: my parents did say that.
0: <laughs> you should spend more time with Bruce. You should spend more time with Bruce. <laughs>
2: That's a good example. They did say that about Stephen Dave. Those vagabundos. Bagabundos. bagabundos. <laughs> those, those troublemakers. Those are group boys.
0: Can you tell us Seb's story, or is it something he'd rather you didn't share?
2: I bring that up because it's becoming this oddly satisfying bonding moment, especially since Zara is three years older than Sebastian. Is they coming home with these stories? And by the way, I would never do this to my parents. So that's, again, a different generation.
0: That I can relate to. Yeah, like way more, way more sharing than you would have. And I think it's great.
2: It is great. It's
0: deep. That's uncharted territory for us. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't look back and say, my parents would have done this because I, they were never in that situation.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, I just wanted to bring that up. What a cool thing it is to help negotiate or you give them your perspective. And now it's becoming a thing where like everybody at the table is like giving their take. And it's kind of cool. Sebastian having an older sister. So she's a girl. And this is what I would be thinking at her age. So I'm in Mexico and I get a call from uh, Sophia's dad. We'll mention and, his name. And
0: you said, do you know how much this is costing me? I'm in Mexico.
2: <laughs> and I didn't pick it up. It's, it went to voicemail. I'm all, I don't know this number. And he's calling because he's worried about some chatter that's happening with Sebastian's friend group. And it distills down into this one girl is acting pretty mean. She's taking videos and posting them without permission from the other kids. And now kids are actually very sensitive to, you know, you need my permission to do this. Whereas I think a few years ago, probably nobody cared. But now they're very attuned to that. And uh, she's getting a little bit pushed out to the side because that's how they're controlling their herd is like, OK, well, you can't hang out with us because you keep doing the wrong thing. Well, S- Seb makes this awesome blunder just because he's a young, you know, preteen, soon to be teenager.
0: He's your kid. He's, he's going to make some mistakes.
2: <laughs> he said something so spectacularly bad. He, <laughs> he's, he's, he, he threw his mother under the bus and he goes, I'm having uh, this party but you can't come because my mom doesn't think you're acting very nice to the rest of the friends. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of him saying it like I don't think you're acting very nice, two moms, including his mom, talked, and he just spread it out. That girl immediately goes to the dad. The dad starts calling other parents, including me, on my Mexican vacation. It's so funny. Like I, you could just imagine it happening. I'm sorry, I can't invite you because my mom and this mom think you're a terrible human being. From this, <laughs> like, totally throws them under the bus.
1: That is awesome.
2: It's it's so funny, and you could just imagine that variation in all of our lives where we'd like decide just like I don't want to handle the situation so I'm going to like throw it over here and then you know run away from it. So we ended up all talking about how could you have handled that situation better and obviously one of the the main, the main things that came out of it was like you need to handle that on your own. You say this I don't like that you're doing this to me or to my friend group and don't throw other people into it but it was a very it was very interesting just to to work that through and so now i'm getting to experience something that i never experienced which is we only talked among ourselves and usually in a joking way until you know we had our like breakfast club moments now these kids are much more open to talking about it with me which is great and i even see that in megan and that's why i want les's perspective you probably see that with does alex do that does she bring home friendship issues that you're like oh fuck i can't believe i'm talking about this but then realize actually i never got to have this experience
1: um, I, I, I'm not sure what you're, what you're asking when you say, does she bring home those issues? Like stories, um,
2: like friendship woes or ups and downs of friendship. Oh yeah. All the time.
0: But, but you guys never go yeah. anywhere less. You and Alex have been in that apartment for three years. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody brings home anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she can't exactly. technically bring them home. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I hear you, George. It's interesting to be on the listening end of someone else's friend group dynamic and this person did that and then this person's upset and whatnot you know blah blah blah, and thinking through it yeah
2: it's just interesting to see his juxtaposition of what he's going through at 12 or 13 years of age when we were all pretty tight in grade 8 and 9 doing the same thing that's maybe the point
1: man that could not be any different than the experience (laughs) I had with my dad growing up. I hope I live long enough to be able to watch my 12-year-old son make friends. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: How did neither of us jump in on when my son is 12? Is there something we should know? It'd be curious to talk to your parents now. My mom, she probably would have been open to it, but it just wasn't the environment. It it partly wasn't society. I don't think if I had brought some of that stuff home, she would have said, you know, that's not the kind of thing we talk about. And my dad as well was a school counselor. So I don't know, or maybe none of my friends talked to their parents about stuff like that. So I'm not going to either.
1: Yeah, I think you and I grew up in in similar households in that our fathers, because they were teachers, were probably progressive on that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. your dad was a a principal and a counselor. My dad was always dealing with counselors like they had progressive mindsets on you should talk through this stuff. But it was still... Nah, you never talked about shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I left and I never talked to them about anything. (laughs) I don't think I ever had a conversation with my parents about something that was going right or wrong with one of my friends until I was like, I don't know, maybe 40 and we were talking as adults.
0: I somehow feel like maybe I did, but I, I couldn't give you any examples. I can't remember. And it certainly wasn't a, hey, let's sit down at supper and talk about what's going on with your friend group.
1: Yeah. Alex knows I talk to her about this all the time. Alex's bomb is her best friend. They are so tight. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're mother-daughter, you know, they're love-hate best friends. Mm. They love each other ridiculously and then they fight all the time. I mean, mm. there's all that like interdynamic stuff, but they are so unbelievably close. It's really been interesting for me to watch because I had no exposure to that type of dynamic between parent and child growing up. And I don't even know like my friends, you know, who have kids other than I guess maybe Gerald, but I've been a little bit more distanced from that. I've never seen it. I've never witnessed it. You know, like if one of you guys would say like, yeah, my dad was my best friend. I can't think of a friend growing up who had that experience. Other than my buddy, Sean, who I didn't know till we were in our thirties. It's incredibly interesting for me to watch the dynamic between them. In a lot of ways, it's almost like redefined to me what is possible as a relationship between a parent and child.
2: Yeah, I I find it, like you Les, very weird and almost disconcerting till you get used to it because you can't imagine, I mean, Bruce said this earlier, I don't think I consider Megan, I don't think you consider Alex your best friend because the way we grew up, friends are different. They're obviously important. I, I guess I don't think of my partner as a friend. Yeah, I don't know why I don't think that, but it, it's just the truth.
1: It's just putting different types of relationships it, into more defined categories. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. I think that's where Bruce is different than us is that Marnie and him have had a very long and good friendship, which is, you know, yep. why he's been successful and you and I are failures in our first marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. I'm just admitting it. But I have seen that, and I find it very odd when parent child are so tight. Not tight, close, Uh, loyal, huggy-feely, touchy like I am with my mom or my sisters, but where they're like, there's no way my sisters and I are best friends like that. They would all all of us would just laugh out loud if we said that, but we're just incredibly loyal as a family structure. Further, my dad, which you all know. He had such an aggressive posture and body language. Like it was just intimidating (laughs) even to be near him. Oh, yeah. So there'd be no way. How many times did he just yell at you guys for talking to him? (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. I was terrified (laughs) of your dad growing up. For sure.
2: So that's just another level of I can't believe people are best friends with their parents. But it is as you get older. I mean, you become you reflect more and you become more nostalgic. And you wonder, hmm, I wonder if I could have had a better friendly relationship because I'm a big believer in you're not really friends with your kids till they get older like you you, you almost can't be because you you have their, you have different goals for them your relationship is very different and then once they become young adults then you can actually become friendly mm-hmm. with them so that's you, an interesting yeah point you, right there
0: Do you think any of that George or both of you it has something to do with Thompson our parents didn't live close to their parents and Everybody was going to kind of leave. Like our parents knew we were moving away when we were 18. And not to say they didn't invest in time and growing to get to know us. But, <laughs> but they're like, you're leaving when you're 18. Yeah, uh, yeah. I only got to get through two more years with you. <laughs> I'm saying that as a joke. But now you're gone from 18 to 24, or 25 when you move back. And that's a time to get to know each other. Whereas if it's more of an intergenerational community then you've got a little bit more time to develop those relationships. Everybody from Thompson, and we didn't see those examples. Your mom, Les, didn't move here with her mom, and you saw, holy cow, like these guys are yeah. absolute best friends. Yeah. The nature of our community, we don't have a lot of those examples in our past to draw on to say, oh, okay, that's an option. I don't
1: know. I don't know if that's a small-town phenomenon. I think it's more of a generational thing. Coming back to something you said earlier, where it's probably not the case that you couldn't have gone to Harold, your dad and had that conversation, he he probably would have been receptive and completely capable of having it. You just didn't. Probably would have liked to. And he didn't expect you to because he'd never had that conversation with his dad. Yeah, probably. When I think of it, my relationship with my father, I know that even the limited communication that we had was a thousand times more than he had with his dad, right? And I think as well, it's not just the small town thing, but the moving apart in their generation, when you moved, you're gone. (laughs) Even (laughs) when we were growing up, remember when it was really expensive to make a long distance phone call? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Life has changed so much in terms of how much you can keep in contact with people. But you know, that's probably a whole other conversation to get into.
0: when you get drunk with somebody, uh, go out, and maybe because it's an adventure, maybe it's only a one-night adventure, but it is, that you cement a friendship greater than oftentimes you do in other cases. Just everybody give one story of, of drinking with people that, that ended up was a surprise lifelong friendship or, or something like that. So it's just a, just a story, but not if or why you think that happened. Does that, is that okay? Yes. I think we all have an example of that. Les, you actually brought this one. Do you want to start or do you want to end this one?
1: Let me go last just because Alex asked me to mute my mic because she's making some noise in the kitchen for the next couple of minutes.
2: Yeah, mine's a very easy one and it's a mutual friend of Les and I's now and it's Jeff Bacon. Just like you said, your mom didn't know that George Blake was black. I'd been hearing about this guy, Jeff Bacon, from Les all these years when he moved to become a competitive diver and I never met him. He was like the summer me or the winter me and then we weirdly – ended up in Australia together and Les sort of put us together. Hey, you guys are both in Australia. He's in Perth. You're in Sydney. He happened to be in Sydney one time. And I literally showed up to the bar that I knew he was at. I still remember the place. It was Five Ways. And I didn't even know what he looked like. Like I literally just showed up and I saw this guy and I knew that he was with this girl that was blonde and I kind of knew roughly his build and I literally tapped him on his shoulder and go, hey, you're Jeff Bacon, right? And he's all, oh my God, George, I've always wanted to meet you. And we ended up just getting shit faced that night and we've been friends ever since. I mean, I ended up going to his first wedding in Perth. We would talk at least once a week on the, like when I was on the beach and we ended up becoming, you know, pretty close friends. And uh, yeah, that's a great example. And it was all born out of booze. (laughs) So booze is so good for so many reasons. It cements friendships. It cements friendships.
0: If you had just sat on the beach and hung out for that first afternoon, would you have met up again? And maybe not I think lots of this is at conferences and business meetings, too. That's where this can, this can really happen. So for me, the one's at conference, and it was, it was called Recreation Connections. I don't have to say any more about it. I think you can picture the, the scene. <laughs> but annually in Winnipeg, I go down from Thompson and cut out on the whole afternoon of the conference, even though the city of Thompson was paying my way. So thank you for that. I hope the Statue of Limitations is okay for me saying I poorly spent their money. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a record scratch myself. Did I just say statue? the statue of limitations, cut out, invite everybody back to one of the hotel rooms. And it was the time of year there was curling on. So it was the, the Briar or Scotty's. It was the ladies curling golf curling. So we sat around and watched a whole curling game, a whole afternoon of golf, and then a whole nother curling game and got totally bombed while we were doing it, right? (laughs) drinking beer. Two or three of us like just had the greatest time people I barely knew. Well, I wasn't in the door the next year and everybody's like, curling, golf, curling, right? And we're like, hey, best friends. <laughs> and throughout the course of the year, you're now texting these people back and forth. And Peter Conway, who I'm not sure if you guys remember him from Thompson, but he was the other Thompson person. And we didn't know each other very well at the time. And that was the thing that kind of got us together. That's where we met. And then he played volleyball with Marnie and I, and he actually invited us to his wedding and all. But it was curling, golf, curling that cemented all that. I am sure that if we didn't have the beer and everything else that was in that room to just sit around and watch 10 hours of sports, it wasn't going to happen. So you're right. Booze cemented that one for us. Curling golf, curling. Love it.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. I got two quick ones for you. When I got hired for my first real job out of business school, you guys remember this, was in pharmaceutical sales. So I got hired in Winnipeg and the company that hired me flew me to Toronto for a week of introductory training. So they fly me to Toronto, put me up in a hotel, got to go to head office every day and take classes, learn about the products and stuff like that, sales training. And when I arrived, I realized, unbeknownst to either one of us, that they'd hired a guy in Edmonton at the same time. And flowing him out the same day and they'd put us in like a two bedroom suite together in this hotel. So show up late on a Sunday night, nervous first real job going like, Holy shit. I have no idea. Like, and I meet this guy, like I get into the hotel. And I'm like, Hey, what the hell? And he's like, what the <laughs> hell? Our boss had forgotten to even tell us. Oh yeah, you're going to be like in a room with another guy. So we had to figure that out on our own. And then we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So this is going to be pretty intense. You know, i got to wear a suit into the office, you know, for the first time tomorrow. So we go to this first day of training and as we're leaving, we're like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Well, I don't know. You want to go get a beer? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go get a beer. We go out and just get shit-faced <laughs> come the second day so unbelievably hung over through the entire day and we're just like trying not to laugh at each other just you know like hand just going like oh god i'm dying whatever like through the whole thing this fantastic inside joke that we have that we're both hammered because we're both 23 something like that <laughs> right. so the next night same thing We just went out every night that we were there, we were there for the entire week. Every night we just went out and got hammered. And we have been fantastic friends ever since. And it was just like this immediate bonding. And we always, when we get together, we always laugh and we tell the stories about the ridiculous things that happened that week. You know, him falling asleep in a cab on the way back from the bar, almost missing a meeting one day. We just love to tell the stories from that time. My second one, I'm gonna tell this one quickly because She's a friend of the pod, big listener of the pod. Years later, I got a job as the head of sales for a software company and I got hired. And the first day on the job, they sent me to a big technology conference to meet a bunch of the resellers in the US that sold our product. One of my roles in that position that kind of developed over time was basically my job to grow the relationships within that reseller channel. So fly to events, take people out for dinner, drinks, you know, make sure that everybody is happy. Everybody loves our company and whatnot. So entertaining was a big part of my job, but I show up there like first day and I was still pretty young and everyone was, you know, who's this new guy? Who's this young guy that we're supposed to report to now as the head of the sales channel? End up just getting hammered with my good friend, Debbie Foster, Florida Mm -hmm. Debbie, who both of you know and have met, we we went out with a group of people and we all just got trashed. And I remember waking up the next day going like, holy shit, that was probably completely unprofessional. I'm supposed to be responsible. We just got hammered last night. She and I have been like absolutely amazing friends ever since and have had several big, ridiculous adventures at, at various industry events over the years. We don't work together anymore, but she is definitely like one of the best friends that I've ever had as a result of connecting and just randomly getting really drunk together in Chicago <laughs> so she will laugh when she hears this story shout out to Debbie Foster
0: <laughs> that makes me think of probably my best one and I guess that's how stories work one reminds you of the other yeah another great friend of the pod Jim Rudd him and I met in res one of the first nights when we're there it's a I think I want to say it was a drink the town dry but I'm not sure it was a, a bus trip anyways where our whole floor or the whole res was going someplace And we didn't know each other at the time. I go running up the stairs to pick up something. And him and I end up nose to nose. And we've talked about this later. I'm thinking, oh my God, a redneck, camo, head to toe, big, heavy hillbilly. And he's looking at me. He's like, Nike, head to toe, jock. Oh my God, mullet. Like, fuck, this couldn't be worse for either one of us. But he's like... Drink. And so we go running back down onto the bus, end up having to sit beside each other. And the rest is history. Best buds ever since. Right. But same thing. We we went out that night and and put our differences aside instantly over uh, a bunch of beers or (laughs) whiskeys or something. And (laughs) and voila right there.
1: It's an interesting phenomenon how getting drunk with somebody bonds you. It's a really interesting <laughs> phenomenon. I think there's a, uh, there's a lot of exploration we could do on that topic if we had enough time to talk about it.
0: <laughs> another, another pod to come. Probably nothing that we're massively proud of <laughs> as a society, yeah. but, it, but there's something there. There really is and It's probably, it's probably yeah. the adventure thing. Any last thoughts before we hit, hit stop? Georgie, you got anything?
2: No, that was good. That was good. Exactly what I wanted to talk about. I have nothing else to add. No? I have to go make dinner for the family soon. So it's perfect timing.
0: Good. Lester, anything else? No, it's
1: perfect timing for me too, because Alex has made dinner while we've been doing this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get off this and immediately go eat. It smells yeah. fantastic in my house.
0: Me too. Things smell good upstairs. I waited this out long enough too for Marnie to cook today, so life is grand. <laughs> Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your
1: name. And they're always glad you, came.
0: you wanna be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name.
1: I'll tell you guys one last closing point, throwing back to the marriage pod. George, you mentioned it taking your partner's name. And I said on that pod, I said, yeah, not. It's totally up to Alex. I don't care. It's 100% her decision. So she told me a little while ago that she has decided to take the Hanson name. Ooh. And I'll tell you what, when she told me, I was incredibly happy. Yeah. So I think when I said, nope, I don't care, I was saying it's her decision. I understand that. I can't care. But I think I cared. I think it meant a lot to me. We will be the Hansons.
0: Yeah, Team Hanson. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the end. Tell your friends to find us on social media at Snowdaypod. We have an email to snowdaypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We are Snowday Podcast. Thanks to the rest of our team, our brother Steve, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon Shannon Bisson.